The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What do you do when every door of opportunity seems shut in your face? And what do you do for others when the doors of opportunity are shut in their face? You know, the crisis of human trafficking and specifically sex trafficking is that the traffickers specifically target the most vulnerable in society. I know you've seen movies about trafficking and you think that, you know, uh, they just kind of snatch people up off the streets and that, that does happen in a very rare situations. But most of the time, what traffickers do is they're looking for vulnerable individuals. And if they can offer them a meal, if they can offer them a warm place to live, uh, then they can get them hooked on drugs where they become dependent on the trafficker, their abuser, for survival. And so they might not be enslaved in a technical term where they're in chains, but they don't even realize that they're enslaved because they think they're making a choice to come home to their abuser. They think they're making a choice to go back to the place where the person that's trafficking them lives, but in reality, they're dependent on that person for survival. They're dependent on them for their addiction. And so they live uh, severely trapped, enslaved in human sex trafficking, human labor trafficking. And what a horrific crisis. But um, let let me make this personal for you and I, meaning we can relate to this because you, when you first hear this issue, you're thinking like, what, what does that have to do with us? You know, like that feels like such a far away, distant issue. And the reality is, uh, it is a, a serious crisis and tragedy in our own communities, uh, living right on the I-8170 corridor, uh, Interstate 70, uh, you know, 81 going north and south, where we got a significant amount of trafficking happening on our own highways and as a result, ending up in our own cities. But, but let's personalize, not so much the, the human trafficking issue, but this idea of doors slamming in our face. You know, when, you, when I think, when, when you think about it, when I think about it, When you think about a younger generation, maybe when you even think about your own children and you think what opportunities are available to them. And and so, you know, having five kids, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the sky's the limit for my kids. Like they could become anything. Uh, And and honestly, maybe when they were younger, I kind of thought, well, man, if they can make it out of childhood and not end up, you know, in jail and I'll be excited and... Uh, but at some point, man, I've seen my kids grow and develop and, you know, my girls into fine young women. And all of a sudden it feels like I, I got used to say it just kind of hoping. Now I actually really believe it, man. Like sky's the win- limit. You know, you could become a doctor, you could become a lawyer. I don't know why you would want to do that. But, you know, if you want to become the president, I mean, you could, whatever you set your heart to, you could accomplish that. And uh, for my boys, you know, <laughs> sky's the limit. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's interesting though. And and if you think about it for the younger generation, maybe you fit in the younger generation. So you're thinking about it for your classmates, man, like what could we accomplish? And hopefully you believe that sky's the limit. You could accomplish anything and that's how the world should be. Right. But the reality is now let's shift gears and personalize it. What, what are the options and opportunities available specifically to you? What doors are left for you to go through? And all of a sudden, 
uh, the options become much smaller, don't, aren't they? And, and for some reason, for some reason, we believe that what is available for us is far smaller or fewer than what's available for everyone else. We believe that other people have incredible opportunities, but we see ourselves as incredibly limited. It's as if the world has cornered us and we're stuck, we're we're limited, we got no options left, and probably for a variety of reasons, for various different people, uh, different reasons, but I would say uh, there's probably a, a general theme that both your decisions and the decisions of others and of others have either created or closed doors. Some people have been encouraged, you've been cheered on, you've been mentored, you've been coached. And as a result, that's opened certain doors. Maybe, maybe your parents or somebody who respected you or loved you, they created opportunities for you. But for most of us, we feel like people have limited, they've closed doors. Maybe it was hurt or abuse. Maybe there really was somebody who preyed on your innocence. They took advantage of your vulnerability and they hurt you or abused you, mistreated you. For others of you, it was just failures, disappointments. It was, your, it was you looking in the mirror and seeing yourself and thinking you're being honest with yourself. You allowed your insecurities to rise up, but what happened was those insecurities debilitated you, and as a result, they've shut doors in your face, and you're left telling yourself, I can't, I won't, it'll never happen, that's not possible. It's possible for others, but it's not possible for me. And then, where is God and the church in all of this? And if you're honest, many of us would speak up and say, yeah, you know, the church seems to add to the sense of sabotage that we feel. Meaning what most of us got from church was a feeling of guilt and shame and judgment, believing that genuinely God is against me and he's sending me because of my sin, he's, he's sentenced me to forever judgment. And, and you know, who when they feel like their doors are closing around them needs more feelings of guilt and shame and limitation. I mean, very rarely do any of us need to be reminded that we're not enough, that we're not good enough, that we can't, that we won't. And so when we, when we interact with people who are representing God and they tell us that God is against us because of our sin, we easily believe it. And what that says is that the church and God are slamming doors in our face, including the door of heaven. Well, thanks. It's exactly what I need when I already feel like the world is closing in around me. And uh, talk about a guy who had very few options left. Let me remind you of this guy named the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul eventually goes on and writes several books of the Bible, but context, here's a guy who was a religious terrorist. He hated Christians. Maybe you know people who hate Christians. Maybe you've hated Christians. Maybe for good reason you've hated Christians. And that you would have liked the Apostle Paul because he hated Christians. In fact, he hated them so much he killed them. And, uh, but then he became a Christian. And so, you, you know, imagine that scenario. That shuts a lot of doors. I mean, you lose a lot of friends when you go from killing Christians. At least you have friends who hate Christians but then you become a Christian. Now you have no friends. And, uh, and, and here's a guy who then, after he becomes a Christian, he begins to suffer 
Life was good before he became a Christian, but after he became a Christian, he began to suffer and go through one difficulty and tragedy after the next. Now, in the Jewish context, suffering and pain were an indication that God is against you. When things go wrong, they would interpret it as though God was causing it to go wrong. And so you could interpret that shipwreck or the fact that people were attacking you or that you were robbed as if it's your fault. And so many of us interpret suffering the same way. It's like we beat ourselves up. We blame ourselves because somehow, even if I didn't cause it in this moment, somehow I'm getting what I deserve. But the Apostle Paul, in this radical life change, when he becomes a Christian, he, he experiences th this reality. He discovers that his suffering and the difficulty he's gone through is not something he deserved. And so he writes a letter to the church in Rome to challenge them on this mind-blowing shift in how he thought and believed about God. And so I wanna introduce you to this statement that he writes. It's found in his letter to the church in Rome that eventually gets included in the Bible. It's in the Bible, it's simply called Romans, but it's really the Apostle Paul's letter to the Roman church where he writes this, in light of my suffering, in light of all the difficulty and all the painful things I've been through, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What? A guy who's been shipwrecked and beaten and robbed and left for dead and nearly starved to death and arrested and imprisoned is standing up and saying, in light of everything I've been through, in light of what, what should we say in response to everything I've just shared with you about all the suffering and all the abuse and all the hurt at the hands of people who hate me and hate God. I know you could have interpreted this as, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the Apostle Paul. He could have said, I know you would have thought that because I was against God, God would have been against me. And that's what I thought. And you could have interpreted my suffering as God punishing me for the terrible things I had done wrong. But what I discovered was that when I was slamming doors in God's face, God was kicking through those doors. When I was shutting doors on opportunities available to me, when I was failing and I was falling and I was frustrated and I was turning my back on God and I was turning my back on others, when I was rejecting people and hurting people, God was chasing me down, not to hurt me, not to give me what I deserved, but to give me what he desired, which was his love, his hope, his mercy, his compassion. So that, then he writes this, in light of, what should we say in light of all this? If God is for us, who could, who could ever be against us? And he's saying this, it, it's, you, you, gotta, you gotta picture this. This is the apostle Paul, who after he had this life radical change, he goes on to use his business to fund starting churches all across Asia and Europe. He started at least 14 different churches. And, and the, much of the New Testament of the Bible is different letters the Apostle Paul wrote to those churches. And, and, and later historians go, these aren't just letters. 
These are words from God himself spoken through the apostle Paul. This is life and hope. This is good news. And so it gets included in the Bible. But what the apostle Paul is doing is he's writing to Rome because he wants the church in Rome to become his headquarters. And here's what his thought is. I'm going to move to Rome and I'm going to use Rome as my base of sharing the good news to the city of Rome and through the city of Rome to the Roman empire. Wow. What does that have to do with us 2,000 years later to a bunch of people who feel like doors have been slammed in our face? What do we do when it feels like we have no opportunities? And what do we do for others when we feel like they have no options? Well, here it is. It's simple. We live in the possibilities of God. When you discover what should we say in light of all of this, if God is for us, who, is, who can be against us? Well, this is what we do. We live in the miraculous possibilities that there is a God who is for us. And I hope when you hear that, you say, I want that. I want what Patrick just said. I, that excites me. I, I want opportunity. But then you've got to look at why don't I have opportunities? Why do I feel like doors have been shut in my face? Why do I feel like I've like the doors are slamming around me. And remember, this isn't just doors that others have slammed because it's so easy to blame others and to point the finger, cast dispersions, blame the system, blame, the, blame everyone else, but take for a moment how many doors I've slammed in my own face. Like the apostle Paul, how many things I've personally done wrong and how many people I've personally hurt why? Because hurting people hurt people. Because I've been hurt, I just return the favor. Because I've been told I can't, it's easy to tell others they can't. When others have mistreated you in anger, it's easy to lash out in anger. So the reality is that there is some internal, spiritual, sabotaging force that sets us up for our own ruin. That's what biblical authors, including the Apostle Paul, but Jesus called sin. Sin, this internal spiritual force that's in us, it's part of us, but it's also separate from us. It's like some outside spiritual thing that has attached itself to us like a cancer and is infecting and affecting everything we do. It affects our desires. It affects our decisions. And those decisions then affect our behavior. And sin, what it does is it drives us toward our own ruin, away from God and what is best toward our own destruction and our eternal ruin. Now, hold up. Didn't I just say that, man, we don't need any more of that? Well, the only way we're ever gonna hear the good news of what the Apostle Paul shared is if we're, we remember the bad news. And so the bad news is that you and I have turned our back on God and sin has set us up for failure and sin has slammed every door in our face. Sin slammed the door, we closed the door on God. We closed the door on eternal paradise. We closed the door on true life. But God was unwilling to leave us in that place of ruin and so he intervened. And this is what the apostle Paul writes. So let's go back and let's continue to read what he's saying. This is his very next statement. He goes like this. If he, God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? 
It is God who justifies. What's the point? What the apostle Paul is saying is this. There's a God. It's like, it's like Paul is overwhelmed. He, he's, he's writing this letter and all of a sudden he gets to the point where he, tears begin to run down his face and he starts to reflect on his life. And he goes, I remember when I was against God and I was killing Christians and I, I hated them. and I, I, I hated their God. And God, through all of that, was pursuing me. He was chasing me. He loved me. God was for me. You know what that means? It means that miraculous possibilities are opened through faith in Jesus. I I want you to know that when every single door in your life was closed, miraculous possibilities are opened through faith in Jesus. It's, It's the Apostle Paul having this realization that he did everything wrong and he had rejected God and he had turned his back on God. But God had done everything right and God chased after him and God loved him and God pursued him and God rescued him. How? Here's what he said. He said, God did not even spare his own son. What did he mean? He goes like this. Here's what God did. God saw you and I in our sin running away from him, not just running away, but in the process, cursing him and turning our back on him and rejecting him and slamming doors behind us. Maybe you've done that when you've gotten into an argument. And here's God lovingly pursuing. You know what God does? He steps out of eternity into time, out of heaven into earth to become one of us in order to take our sin, in order to take our collective eternal judgment on himself so that when he died, he died in our place. He died for you and I. He died to pay the penalty for our sin, to absorb our eternal judgment and to die in our place so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of sin. That's why he says, what, could, what charge could anyone possibly bring against you? Imagine this. What, what the apostle Paul is writing is this. He goes, imagine, God is the judge, God is the jury, and God is your defense attorney. God shows up on the scene and he says, I'm gonna destroy the evidence. You're forgiven. I'm gonna remove the charges. No more charge against you. And I'm gonna remove the conviction and in place of a conviction of a death sentence in eternal ruin, I'm gonna give you my life. See, when you believe in Jesus by faith, you not only believe that he died, you believe that he rose again, that God conquered death. He defeated the power of hell. He defeated the grip of sin on your life. So when you believe in him, you are forgiven and given new life. See, Jesus rose from the dead and in, his pow- in the power of his resurrection, you are given new and eternal life where God's spirit now lives in your spirit by faith, right? So it's faith in Jesus that opens miraculous possibilities. So let's go back to that statement the apostle Paul is writing. He goes, if God is for us, who could be against us? I need you to do a little exercise with me. Now, I know some of you, 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 you have a hard time following, meaning you, you, don't want, you don't want to cooperate. You're the person, if we say raise your hand, you're gonna... All right, so here's the deal. If God is for me, Patrick, what could be against me? So here's what I want you to do. Take a moment right now. And I want you to say your name in there. If God is for Michael, if God is for... Amy, if God is for Sue, if God is for John, if I don't say your name, don't panic. I want you to say, if God is for, and I want you to put your name in there, 
what can be against me? And now I want you to say what? And I want you to list a few of those things that right now you feel are against you. If God is for Patrick, what financial crisis? What, what relational crisis? What family situation? What job situation? And I want you to be able to list those right now. If God is for me, what? And now you can name it. What is that? Could be possibly stand against you. Now I want you to take hold of that. If God is for me, how could your financial crisis actually hold its weight against you? If God is for you, how could that employee at work really truly be against you? Look, here's the deal. Here, here's the math. One, of, one person with God is a majority. You've got the God of creation on your side fighting for you. Are you kidding me? Now here's not only that, but he says, if God is for me, who could be against me? God who, that means this, no one can stand against you. There's nothing that can stand against you. There is no one that can stand against you. This isn't just to make you feel good. This is to understand that the creator of the universe, the God who, didn't, who was not even gonna protect his own son to, to rescue you, he was willing to spend everything, do anything, do everything to get you saved from eternal ruin. And if God is willing to do all of that to rescue you, what would he not do now? for you. He who would not spare his own son, what would, he not, what would he now he not be willing to do for you? And here we are, stuck in insecurity. Here we are, trapping ourselves in guilt and shame. Meanwhile, there is a God who kicks down doors, who's willing to be nailed to a cross, who's willing to embrace death for you and me. And here we are thinking that we have no opportunity, no options, but there is a God who's opened miraculous possibilities for you and for us. So let's take another, take another challenge in this. It's this, let's read Romans 8, 34. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Wait, what? I don't know if you ever realize this. Did you know that Jesus prays for you by name? And he's not praying, oh, dear God, you know, look out for that, dude. God, Jesus is actually interceding. He's pleading with the Father on your behalf. You know what that means? That means you can step into the miraculous possibilities of God. Step into. Don't limit yourself don't shield yourself from, step into these miraculous possibilities that God has for you. In essence, it's a responsibility to say yes to what God has put in front of you. Look, here's the deal. When you know that God is for you, then you begin to believe by faith that anything, even miraculous things are possible in your life and you can begin to step into them. Now, here's the challenge. Most of us go through life not believing this. In fact, feeling very much the opposite because we see the circumstances. You, you see that your, your bank account isn't reconciling properly. You see the situations at work. You see how, see how others are stealing opportunities from you. You see how doors seem to be closing in your face and so you start to feel like God is against you. Let me be clear. Feelings are our emotional response to the perceptions around us, right? 
It's an emotional reaction to what we see. Here's my challenge to you. In those situations, when your feelings are conflicted with the promise that God is for you, fact check your feelings against the favor of a God that is for you. Let me say that one more time. You and I need to fact check our feelings against the reality that there is a God whose favor is for us. And when you begin to fact check your feelings, then you will step out in faith into the opportunity and the possibilities of God that are only possible through the miraculous work of God. Now, this isn't some little quick fix. This isn't some cheap cliche. These aren't just prosperity messages, meaning I'm not just telling you this like, hey, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be perfect. No, the apostle Paul had enemies. The apostle Paul, after this message, got arrested again. He, after this letter, he was in prison. He, got, he had to face the death sentence where he was put to death, but he knew the secret. He knew that all along through every crisis and every tragedy, there was a God fighting for him. There was a God on his side. There was a God with him. There was, there was the powerful God who created the universe in him and working on his behalf, opening up the exact miraculous moments at the right time. The apostle Paul knew that his steps were being directed by the Lord. So then you have this confidence. No one can make you feel guilty. No one can close doors on you that God wants to open. No one can put a limitation over you that God wants to open up an unlimited possibility. No one can judge you when God says you are forgiven. So you need to walk in the confidence that God is for me and step into those miraculous possibilities, which means I begin to live differently. I begin to live courageously. I begin to live boldly, knowing that I have a God that is for me, working through me in every situation. I love extravagantly. I give sacrificially. And that means this. One more thing. Don't miss this. Because if you miss this, you might have missed the whole point. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome to make this point. Share the miraculous possibilities of God. It's not about just you having miraculous possibilities, or even for you to step into them on your own. But when you step in, it's like you're the tip of the spear, cutting the way so that you can share the miraculous possibilities of God for others. See, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome and he's giving them good news. If in light of everything we've said, what could we possibly say? If God is for us, who can be against us? This is not about you. This isn't about the Roman church. This isn't about the church in Hagerstown or the church in Chambersburg. This is about the fact that if God is for me, then God is for those that I interact with, meaning God is for me, God is in me, and he's working through me to be for my friends, for my family, for my neighborhood, for my community, for our city which means now I begin to share the miraculous purposes of God. It means that I understand that God is creating miracles through me, not just for me. You very well may be the ambassador of the miraculous possibilities of God where others see every door closing in their face and they thought they had no opportunities. All of a sudden, when we step in with the confidence of God and the faith of God and the miracle power of God, we begin to open doors for others, you see, so it's not really about us. Now, we go back to the crisis we heard about. 
You know what the church's responsibility is? We go in and we kick through doors. Now, please don't run out of here and think that that's what I'm telling you to do. And, and it, like, let the law enforcement do their job. But please hear me. In a metaphorical and sometimes real way, we open doors for those that had no options. We, we serve and we give and we love. We are blessed to be a blessing. God's goodness pours in us to pour through us. We are the overflow of the favor of God. What God fills, he gives so that it spills. What fills, spills. And we need to become the expression of the generosity of God. We need to become the expression of the selfless sacrifice of God. So we share the miraculous possibilities of God with others and God very well may be using you to create a miracle for someone else through the way you serve, through the way you love, through the way you forgive, and through the way you give. And so I want you to pause right now. Would you take a moment right now? What do you need first to receive from God? There, maybe there's a, a step of faith for you where you're gonna discover the possibilities of God because you're taking a step of faith in Jesus Christ. You need to believe that Jesus is for you because he died and he rose again for you. And so your prayer moment is to say yes to Jesus. For others of you, you need to step into. You, you've been doubting yourself, you've been questioning yourself, but you need to step into by faith the miraculous possibilities of God. And still others of you, and hopefully most of you, are willing to say, God, I realize this life isn't about me. You're calling me to, to give, to share the miraculous possibilities of God with others. So right now, would you pause? Would you pray? Would you allow God to speak to you? Maybe for a moment you talk and say, God, I believe in you by faith. Would you forgive me of sin and give me new life? Would you take that moment and just pause? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.